1: failing relationships. And I'm so glad that, you know, God gives us the ability to survive failing relationships, but sometimes you got to salvage them. Sometimes you got to go to work and pull that thing back out of, out of, uh, its dying state and say, you know, let's re up, let's restore, let's redeem, let's get back to our first love. And in this relationship and do the things we did at first, let's hang out And then there's some times when it's like, uh, yeah, this one, it's, uh, what was the old saying? If the horse is dead, dismount. (laughs) Well, if the relationship is dead, maybe you dismount, okay? So uh, 888-432-7434. See what Anonymous is talking about. Uh, Anonymous is in Elkridge, Maryland. Hi, Anonymous. It's Dr. Anderson. How are you? Hi, Dr.
2: Anderson.
1: Thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. What's your comment or question today?
3: Okay. Um so when you're asking about relationships, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't know if it's my issue or my friend's issue, but I have a best friend in the whole world who's a male.
4: Okay.
3: And we are like the most compatible pair. Everybody always assumes we're married when they when they see us together, mm-hmm. but we're not.
1: Okay. Um Do you want to be?
3: Date him. I do, but he's he's not moving and budging in that area. But um, I we dated seriously for about a year the Mm. the Christian way. Okay. And at the end of that year, he began asking me questions about you know if you would and how would you like and you know all the if you were going to get married again. You know what kind of rings? He's asking all these questions that men ju- usually ask when they're going to make that move,
4: mm. and then he all of a sudden he, he just it.
3: froze. He froze, and and mm. then basically said, "You know what? No, I'm just I just want to be friends." And mm. he's been he he's in therapy about it because it's like I can tell, and everyone around him can tell he's in love with me. Hmm. But it's like he has this fear of failure because he was married maybe about fifteen years and his wife had left him. Ah. So he, it's like he, he, he doesn't want. He just he admits he loves me, but he just wants to be friends because he says he's double-minded and he doesn't sure. want to make. He doesn't want to. I'm too good for him, and so you know, you know what like that he means. On this, you, yeah, you
1: know what that means, like right?
3: He, it's not. that – he wants me to move on. But, you, yeah. but he, his actions don't. Like, yeah. his actions his actions say the opposite and it's just so confusing. And then like sometimes he doesn't like he admits he's like I can't be around you too much because I'm too attracted to you and, and it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: How long has it been?
3: How somebody off and on 3 years.
1: So, I think what I would do, Anonymous, cause I can already tell from the deep breath you gave when you first started talking and the emotions that I'm sensing from you now, this is very difficult for you. Uh, because you, it's
4: like
3: I can't, it's hard to let him go because we're so everything's like I love his soul.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> like, get it.
3: Everything, I've, you know.
1: I get it. Here's the question How long do you want to wait for him?
3: I don't know. I
1: just Cuz if you want to wait if you want to wait difficult. for if you want to wait for him for another year, that's fine. If you want to wait for him another 5 years, but you have to put in your own brain how much longer can I can I handle this before I say, listen, uh I can't do it anymore. So therefore, unless you bring me a ring, um then I don't want you to contact me anymore. And that's going to be really, really hard for you. And I'm not saying do that right now. I'm saying ask yourself at what point will you need to do that in order for him to make the decision? Because he can't make it on his own for some reason. He needs an ultimatum. The question is, are you willing to live by the ultimatum? And that's a hard one. I'm I'm not telling you to live by it now. What I'm saying is you got to at least think about this in your mind.
3: I've tried. I've tried to give him an ultimatum. But it's almost like tearing yourself apart with, with somebody that's a part of you. You know, yeah. like it's very difficult to find someone who shares your exact faith, your exact yeah. beliefs, who enjoys the exact same things, who admits you're their best friend. You know, So, it's, yep. It's,
1: question is how long even, can you do it? I don't it?
3: even want to date. How long?
1: <laughs> I know, but the question is how long can you do it? That's the real question because you've got something great, but the question is how long? And can you stay in this state for the next 10 years? I mean, if you're good with it, you know, everything's perfect. He's my soul. I love him. But we're not going to be married, and this is going to be our existence. If you can do that for another decade, go for it. But if you can't, you've got to answer that question. I
3: have never been a very patient person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then you've okay. got to answer that question and give yourself a bit of a timeline. Say, hey, listen, now it's this month. I'll give it to the end of the year, and if there's no movement forward that shows me any positive signs by the end of the year, then next year I'm moving on, and I don't want you to contact me anymore. And you're right. It's like severing off your own soul, your own hand, your own arm. But the reality is either you move on, right, Uh, and then grieve it and then start over, or you – hold on another year, and then another year, and each each year you're dying more and more because you there's a man who can't make a decision. And, and honestly, if he can't make a decision after the amount of time you've been together, give it another year or whatever to the end of this year, if he can't make a decision to show you any engagement or movement forward by then, I don't care how connected you guys are, you don't want to marry him because he's not going to be able to make other decisions that are going to be really big later. And you're going to be hurting, yeah. hurting it's for certain.
3: Like a, it's like like a precision. It's like he, he wants a certificate of guarantee, like like a, like like an engineer who can't move because he's so focused on precision.
1: Well, it's and the of
5: stepping out on faith.
1: It's the paralysis of analysis. It's the fear of failure. There's a lot there, and I'm glad he's in therapy. But at the end of the day, therapy or not anonymous still has to answer one question not to me right now on the air but to herself how long and once you settle that in your mind i think that's going to give you the strength to to communicate it to him and to help him move forward because he needs it more than you do i know you think that you know maybe you're just pushing him but he actually needs it more than you do it's kind of like when your lease is i
3: guess i've just been when you're a christian when you're in a christian relationship and you're not you're not like sexually active anyway. It's still that spending so much time together is still a connection and it's still intimacy and it's it's really hard to part. But yeah. I don't like giving up on people, especially when I see that they're trying in sure. therapy beer whatever I I just feel like I'm abandoning
1: well you haven't done that my yet best
4: friend and
1: I you haven't done that yet and again that's why the that's why it's wisdom Wednesday and, and the topic is salvaging failing relationships because you're not giving up yet you're trying to salvage it what I'm trying to do is simply put a question in your brain that you're gonna have to ask when you're off the air and that is even to God how okay. lo- how long how long how long and you're gonna have to settle that at some point or if I'm on the air five years from now, you may be calling me saying, Doc, he still hasn't made a decision yet, <laughs> no. and now, you know, and I, I haven't been married, I don't have kids. I mean, whatever the issue is, and that's what happens with some people because they just keep holding on and holding on and holding on, and they never make a change. I'm not telling you to make a change now. I'm telling you to ask the question, take it to prayer. And let's see if God kind of gives you an idea that, you know what, he's moving forward. It's a little bit slow, but hang on. Uh, but for how long? That's and everyone
3: question. says that because I am i won't let go, other people aren't, you know, everybody just thinks I'm married to this gentleman. So it's, I'm never going to meet anybody until I let go. And it's just hard uh, to let go. So.
1: I understand. Well, hopefully okay. I helped you today Bye-bye. a little bit. I hope, uh, you know, talking it through gave you a little bit of uh you know, a little bit of comfort along the way, my sister.
3: <laughs> so, in your opinion, it's not quitting on people. Like you don't give up on you don't give up on a family member. You don't give up on.
1: You're your, not family a child or Your
3: brother, or your sister. You're
1: not family members.
3: But, but it's like, but it's it's you're it's not like married. You be closer to a friend.
1: Nope. you're not married. <laughs> you're not married. You're treating him like he's your husband. Y'all <laughs> okay. just don't have the certificate. You're not married. You have no yep, obligation exactly. to him. Okay, your obligation is to be a nice person and you can date if you want to. But the reality is you're putting your life on hold for somebody that can't make a decision like he's a family member. Now, if y'all were already married and you were saying this to me, I'd be giving you different counsel. But you're not married. So you have no obligation to him. Your obligation is to yourself to free yourself so you can marry somebody else who may be out there waiting for you. I I just don't know. But uh, stop acting like you're married. (laughs)
3: Okay. Okay. It's just
1: okay. Is that helpful? I know it's hard to hear, but that's why it's <laughs> yes. real talk, right? <laughs> no,
3: it's helpful. I just I've been treating him like a family member. Yeah. With that type of unconditional love. yeah, and, and he's not. And you know, sometimes but I mean, once, he, be- once he becomes
1: once he becomes a family member, then treat him that way. But right now, he's not treating you okay. like a family member. He's, you know, the reality, okay. he is not treating you like a family member. He's he's treating you like a, a friend on the side who's always there. He loves you, too, and all that. That's all well and good, but he's not treating you like a family member, so I don't think you ought to treat him like a family member. I mean, a family member in the Lord, you know, like your other brothers, but look, until he put a ring on it, you better listen, you better listen to Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. anyway, God, God bless you. That's anonymous and uh, in Elkridge, Maryland, and you know if you like it, put a ring on it. And uh, you know in this in this case, uh, this sister is trying to do it God's way, and being patient. And in this brother, maybe because of whatever reasons he has, he doesn't want to commit. Sometimes men just don't want to commit, and they don't want to tell you, and he doesn't know how to let you down, uh, and so he's just going to string you along, uh, and that's not helping you either. So sometimes men need the woman to draw the line sorry I hate it like that but sometimes it's just the way it is we don't have what it takes to do what we should and the woman has to step up as y'all always do I'm giving you your props okay ladies I'm giving you your props but the reality is uh, you got to make some decisions for yourself we're talking about salvaging failing relationships Uh, when should you salvage failing relationships and when should you move on Well, on my Facebook Live page, uh, the conversation's going on there uh, as well. And by the way, uh, Carl uh, McGugan said he's going to be at our new campus in Owens Mills, uh, Reisterstown, Maryland. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Make sure uh, y'all come check us out there. Just go to bridgeway.cc. That's the church I pastor, and you can find out all of our services in our Columbia, Maryland campus, or on our new Owens Mills, Reisterstown campus. All right, I'm going to give you my number, then I'm going to... Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's my number, 888-432-7434. All right, let's go to Zakia in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hi, Zakia. how are you?
5: I'm doing well, thanks for asking.
1: Thanks for calling from down no. south. What's going on with you?
5: <laughs> no problem. Um, so my dad um, has been having dreams and prophecies.
1: Dreams and prophecies, continue on.
5: Yeah, So he's been having dreams, and he said that I I've been involved in them. And so he called me one day. He actually called me twice. And he's like, Hey, Zakia, um, I've been having this dream that you know you're going to be famous, and people, a lot of people are going to know who you are. He says, Zakia, you're gonna you're gonna start this this club, this program called Wise, and a lot of people are going to know about it.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: He said there's even going to be a law created, and the law is going to be Like the Jones Act, the Jones Act or something. And he said, but the key, I don't have all the instructions. He said, in my dream, I was told that um, Dr. Anderson has the steps on what you have to do next. He Hmm. said, tell him everything that I said to you, and he has to give you the next steps. Wow. He told me to call you and that you would have the next steps for me.
1: Wow. And was I in his dream?
5: I don't know, but those were the instructions that I, were give- that I huh. was
1: given. I want to know if I was wearing a wooden bow tie at the time, because I got one <laughs> on right now, and it's pretty fly. <laughs>
5: All
4: right, so
1: listen, Zakiya, this is how I deal with this when people have dreams or visions or words for me. I never discount them. I always put them on what I call the back burner of my spirit, and I let it sit okay. there, and then I let God bring it forward. Does that make sense to you? Because if I start acting on other people's words for me, I could be scatterbrained because everybody has a word. And so what I do is Mm -hmm. I I receive it. I say, thank you so much for that. I receive that. uh, And then I put it on literally the back burner of my brain. Now, I do have in my computer also a, a folder called the Prophet's well. And when when people prophesy or give me a word, sometimes I'll write it in there or they'll write me a word on email. I'll copy paste it and put it in the prophets well. And that way, if something comes to pass, I can look back and see, oh, yeah, that that prophecy is confirmed. But sometimes it doesn't doesn't come to pass. What I do is I just say maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Lord, I'll just put it on the back burner. And if you want to bring it forward again. And so what happened then, let's just say this is real. What happened then. Is somebody else will come up with the same kind of dream, and they'll say to you, "Hey, listen, this is what the Lord said to me." Then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, wow! I need to write. You know, I need to write this down." God's bringing it back again, and uh, that's how you deal with it, and and honor it because okay. you don't want to dishonor it, you don't want to okay. discount it, uh, but you also don't want to change your whole life over it. Making a phone call to me, that's great, um, you know, because it's it's not costing you anything to make that step happen but there are some people it costs them a lot of money because they act on somebody else's prophetic word I believe you ought to move to you know uh to you know New Jersey or I believe you need to go to Hollywood <laughs> and what happened they changed their mm-hmm. whole life on that word what I say you got to have that mm-hmm. word confirmed several times before you move on it Is that helpful to you?
5: It's very helpful. Okay. To me. His his dream or his vision um, has been in line with two other ones that I've been given previously. E- Excellent. So when he told it to me, yeah, when he told it to me, I was like, wow, like another lady said this twice to me before.
1: Excellent. Now, is this, so
5: thank you. I'll...
1: Is this something you want? The vision of that um, dream? Is this something you want in your life as well?
5: It's something that I've seen myself before. Like, you know how, like, I have a lot of dreams and visions, too. So sure. it's something that I've seen myself before, and this was before um, the people had told me that it was going to happen.
1: If that's the case, if you've already had it confirmed several times and you also see it in your own eye, mind's eye, then I would say the next step is to start doing it. You know, what? what is the next step to get you to that? because it's not just going to happen okay. to you, right? So if that is your destiny to to do this, uh, then I would say, okay, so what are the next steps I need to do in order to make it happen? And I'd start moving myself that way, whether it's uh, training, mentoring, apprenticing, education, okay. investing, okay. networking, moving. Okay. Now I'd start moving toward that direction because it's also in line with what's in your mind's eye and it's being confirmed. So that's what I would say the next step would be. Let's go to Washington, D.C. and talk to Deborah who's on the line. Hi, Deborah. it's Dr. Anderson. How you doing?
2: Fine yourself, Dr. Anderson. Oh,
1: I'm alive and grateful. Thanks for calling me. What are you thinking?
2: I'm thinking, uh, when do you let go or do you still hold on to your prayers because you love your family so dearly but you've been rejected from them for years and you even turn the other cheek and... Do things that you normally wouldn't do to show them I'm different. I've changed. Mm -hmm. I'm not the person that you think I am. Um, Not that I've been out there in the world doing crises or anything, you know, drugging or alcohol. It's just that I gave my life to Christ. And from that point, for years, my family just just Mm. got away. Just got away. Then I had to ask myself, well, why would you want that anyway?
4: Mm. Because...
2: I love my family, I feel that I need family, I need that's my support, but I also understand it's not the right kind of healthy support. What do you do when you say enough is enough? Well it sounds I can tell you some stories.
1: Well it sounds like you already have the answer and uh that is you're you know, you've been rejected by your family because of your faith in Christ and they're not that healthy for you anyway. I think what you're doing is you're simply grieving uh, the pain of feeling rejected. And uh, this is when you have to bond with a new family, your new Christian family. Uh, and because uh, until your other family comes around, uh, you're going to be lonely. And uh, I don't want you to be completely lonely when you have so many other brothers and sisters in Christ who who can be your new spiritual family. Are you connected to a church anywhere, Miss Deborah? Yes, I am. And do you th- feel like you have a couple good... Christian sisters and brothers who you can build relationships with?
2: Uh, I've tried in the past. Mm-hmm. And I don't get in people's way of their lifestyle. And sometimes I've been rejected there as well. So sometimes people don't want you to know what they're doing after church is out.
1: Sure. Do you- so. Do you feel like it's a lonely existence for you? Because when you meet other people, you expect them to walk with the Lord. And then when you get to know them, you realize that they're not completely walking with the Lord.
2: Yes, I'm going to be honest. And I tell myself I'm being judgmental. Mm -hmm. Not that I meant mean to be right. It's just that I want I just want to walk as straight as I can.
1: Yeah, it's it sounds to me like you have some really good standards and you have uh, the Word of God, um, but you probably have some some judgmentalism in you that probably comes across to other people. So then they're not going to want to spend time with you. That's a part of being a sort of a sold out uh, a Christian, but also it can be a personality thing, Miss Deborah. And so I just wonder if you can make your brain say, hey, listen, I'm going to go out with these people or, you know, we're going to go have dinner. I know that they're not 100% sold out, but I'm going to let God work on them. I'm just going to have a good time with them. Do you think you can make that shift or is that just too hard for
2: you? I made that shift several times, but I also can since sense uh, they're being uncomfortable with me. So I in see. order yeah. not to make anyone uncomfortable with me, I've got to just move on or Stay
1: right right well that's that's a tough one right because you you don't want to give compromise on your standards and you don't want to feel like uh, you're making them uncomfortable and so it seems like you're going to have to find a couple of people who kind of live the same values as, as you do so that y'all can be comfortable in the same setting for instance if you go to someone's dinner and uh, a bunch of christians and they have some wine on the table and you don't feel like drinking wine is is the way God wants you to go, it can make them feel uncomfortable or or you can be like, hey, go ahead and enjoy your wine. I just, you know, I'm fasting from it. It's not my thing. There's a couple ways to handle that. You know, most people would be like, okay, fine. She's cool with it. But other times people aren't, you know, feel like, no, she's judging us because we're having wine. She's not. You know, so again, I don't know your personality. I don't know your flow. If your flow is like, nah, y'all go ahead and enjoy that. But that's just not my thing. But you know what? Cheers. I'll I'll give you a cheers with my Diet Coke. Then it's cool. But if you can't do that because it's your personality or it's just the way your convictions roll, then you're right. They're not going to feel comfortable around you having a glass of wine when they know that you kind of, you know, and I don't even think that this is the right thing to do. So then you need to hang out with people who are, A, not going to have wine on the table or B, have decided that while you're there they're not going to have wine at the table and y'all can just relate without it. So probably you got to find somebody or bodies who live the same values as you so you don't feel like you're always the judgmental one in the group. You know what I'm saying?
2: Correct. Now, one other thing, when, when, is, when should I know is really, really trying to let this go with my family because this hasn't been quite a few years. And well, even when I try my, on my own to let it go, I find myself going right back. I'm there whenever there's a need. That's my opportunity to jump in, to be good, good or submerged in this and that and the other. Yeah. And then I go back empty. Yeah. I go back home empty.
1: Yeah, I would say, in just my opinion, serve them when you can. Don't expect anything from them so your heart's not broken and so you're not longing for the relationship to turn. It'll turn when it's supposed to turn. There's nothing you can do about it. So just let that expectation go. And when they need something and you feel like in the Lord, I can serve them, serve them with no expectation. Think of it like washing their feet, even though they may deny you, betray you, doubt you like Thomas or Peter or Judas, you know, just serve them and move Mm -hmm. on. Okay. Don't have any expectation that way. If something does change. Awesome. But most likely, if it's not going to change, at least now you're not going to be hurt. But if you go in there serving, hoping that they're going to change, hoping that they're going to see you differently, hoping that, you know, they're going to say that they're sorry or, or welcome you back into the club, that longing is actually going to defeat you. So you defeat it by saying, I don't need it anymore. I'll just serve when I'm needed. If I feel like it, otherwise I'm moving on. And it's a mental shift and a spiritual shift you have to make. I'm not saying it's easy, but you almost have to make that shift in order to survive with your family. That's my two cents. What do you think?
2: I agree. Yeah. I agree.
1: Well, may the Lord give you wisdom, Deborah. May the Lord bless you. And thank you so much uh, for calling. You've been listening to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, a ministry of Bridgeway Community Church. We would love to have you
0: join us at Bridgeway in our Performing Arts Theater in Columbia, Maryland, for one of our three identical Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m. and noon. Or join us online at
1: www.bridgeway.cc. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson airs live weekdays on this station and is ready to take your calls. Tune in at 3 p.m. weekdays on WAVA 105.1 FM. We hope to see you tomorrow at church.